Come on, praise the Lord. Anybody enjoy that worship? Amen. They get better and better every week. And I thank God for our worship team. Come on, would you just grab the hand of the person closest to you? Let's pray and just go before the Lord. To Heavenly Father, we thank you for your distinct presence in this place today. We thank you for what you're doing in the midst of your people. Lord, I ask you to open every ear, touch every heart. Father, as we've been worshiping, we know that you're in the midst of us right now. We know that you have a specific word for a specific people, God. I ask you right now, God, to release your ministering angels over us, Father God, that if those who came in heavy burden, Father God, those who came with dissension in their homes, God, that you would snap the plan of the enemy right now, that we would be solely focused in on you, God, that your people would arise to the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Somebody shout amen. As we continue in our fifth week now of our ordinary series, I'm really excited just because of what God has been doing in so many people's lives. But I want to talk to you today on a very specific topic. In this whole series, the underlying theme of it has been that when an ordinary God, or rather ordinary people, are in the hands of an extraordinary God, amen, that God has a plan for you that you might not see it every day of your life. You might not feel it every moment of your existence, but you got to believe that God has made you and created you and designed you for a unique and specific purpose, that he has not called you to warm the bench of life, but he's called you with a unique destiny and a purpose to change people's lives, to be able to impact people. There's this saying that people use often and it's misused, and they say, what are you doing? But what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? But if you kind of slow that, that, that thing down, if you slow it down, it's what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? What on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? I want you to repeat this after me. This is the coup de grace today. Everything rests in this statement. I want you to repeat it. Nothing is useless in the hands of God. Look to your neighbor and say, nothing is useless in the hands of God. Nothing is useless in God's hands. And this is illustrated the best in a story that most of you know, but I want to take a look at it anyways. How many of you know that you can preach something that you already know, amen, and get something different from it? John, the sixth chapter, and I'm coming from verse one in John chapter six, and it's a very famous story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he is feeding 5,000 men. And it says here in John chapter 6 that sometime later Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples and the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. But Philip answered, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have, somebody say, a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. 
but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated. As much, somebody say, as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Verse 12. When they had all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted and so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves over by those who had eaten we come upon Jesus in this passage of scripture and he's doing what Jesus does best he's preaching teaching and performing signs and wonders and enormous crowds come all around our Lord and Savior Jesus in and of his time had a kind of rock star type of reputation he was famous everywhere he went everyone wanted to see the great rabbi Jesus the one that some dared called the long-promised Messiah this is the only miracle that we see is in all four Gospels it's a very important miracle Matthew 14, it declares that the disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, it's getting late and these people have not eaten. They were concerned with the people. John mentions that the time of Passover was near. He mentions that, that, that he sat on the side of the mountaintop. It's kind of a, he's kind of really pulling an analogy of, of Moses. And he sat on the side of Mount Sinai. And, and Moses, the bringer of the law, Jesus, the bringer of the grace of Jesus Christ. He would multiply five loaves of bread. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. It's a, it's a picture of, of everything that God does through Jesus is greater in your life. Everything God does through Jesus is greater in your life. And there's a lot of stuff happening in this story, but I want to focus on the fact that nothing is wasted in the hands of God. Of all the things I could point out in this scripture, I want to point out to you that your little is a lot before Jesus. The disciples' solution was to send the people home. But really, our, our solution is the same as Jesus. For scripture declares that your thoughts are as high as the heavens are from my thoughts and I don't think like you and I don't act like you. And, and there's over, probably now there's 5,000 men, that's not including women and children. Some theologians say there could be upwards of 10 to 15,000 people at this gathering. 10 to 15,000 people. They couldn't just go home because they were there for the Passover. Their homes were hundreds, if not, you know, 150, 200 miles away. They were not close to home. They had journeyed from all over the Roman Empire to be able to celebrate Passover. And now they're there and there is a solution. There is a, a problem, rather, an overwhelming need for sustenance. And Jesus says to Philip, Philip, where can we find enough food? for all these people and Jesus asked Philip because the closest town was Bethsaida and that's where Philip was from and so Jesus says if anybody knows anything if anybody has the end all say all of this territory of this region it's going to be Philip and Philip said master rabbi it would take over a half year's wages 
Jesus already knew. The Bible says that Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Let me tell you something, church. Most of the time, God asks you a question. Rather, all the time, he knows the answer. I believe many times God asks us questions, not because he wants to see what we say, but he wants to see how closely our hearts are aligned with his will. There's a stark contrast between the way God asks a question to Ezekiel and he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? When he put them to the valley of dry bones and Ezekiel, he gave the right answer. He said, only you know, Lord. He asked Philip, Philip, where can we find food? We can never do that. We would need half a year's wages. And in our humanity, oftentimes we look at first what we don't have in comparison to what God desires for us to do. Rather than putting God into the equation. Even in uncertain times, God has a solution. Even in uncertain times, maybe you're facing uncertain times in your life. You have tough situations in front of you, marital issues, financial issues emotional scars, past hurts and you may be uncertain but the Bible says that Jesus already knew what he had in mind to do and I would say to you today that Jesus Christ has in mind what he's going to do in your life and it may not seem like it at every moment but Jesus Christ he cares about every single need you might have if he knows the number of hairs on your head how much more does he care about your heart and your soul and your life and your children and your household? God has a plan. And Jesus knew what was about to unfold. Jesus understood the moment. But oftentimes God is going to present us as believers with impossible situations in order that we might direct it to him. I've reached a place in my life that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, Louis Burgos cannot accomplish what God has called him to do. But Louis Burgos plus Jesus Christ equals awesome. Times two. Because he put a little bit of awesome in me when I was, you know, a, no, okay. I'm, you know, I, you know, we all, we're, we're all a legend in our own mind, you know. I've set my wife often though, you know, I'm not that awesome at home. She doesn't like my new joke. Anybody saw my, my new favorite joke on Facebook? For those of you who didn't, I have to share it. I just got to do it. I just got to do it. It's a big problem that I have right now with milk. In particular, soy milk. And I was thinking to myself that what if, what if soy milk is just regular milk introducing himself in Spanish? Soy milk. Okay, all right, keep on going, all right. I got it out the way. I just, you heard it here first. Somebody say amen. Just... And sometimes you think you're awesome when your wife's like, okay, Lewis, that joke is old. And then I said it in a different voice. But honey, what if, what if soy milk is just regular milk? And she didn't like that voice either. And she just, you know. But one thing I do know is that I can't be the husband I need to be without Jesus Christ. I can't be the pastor I need to be, the brother I need to be, the uncle, the father I need to be without Jesus Christ. I think I'm supposed to start the sermon by telling you guys that I'm, my wife's pregnant and we're having a baby. I was supposed to, I was supposed to say that earlier and I totally forgot until right now 
churches. Oh, you guys are too much. I don't think you'd be that excited. Come on, God is good. God is good. Oh, come on, back to the preaching. Back to the sermon. I can't be the baby daddy I need to be. I'm just playing. Just, I can't be who God's called me to be. You know why? I want to get this point across to you. I think we have trouble with this in our lives. Oftentimes, you think of, you think of maybe a sports player or something. I'll give you an example. Maybe a baseball player who who has a certain criteria he needs for his baseball bat. Because he knows what he wants to do with that baseball bat. He wants that baseball bat to act a certain way in his hand. So he might rub a little tar on it. He might sand a little bit down on the inside. He might do a little bit. Of di- as long as he don't do like, you know, put cork in it, he's all right. You think of maybe someone who's very proficient in guns, oftentimes they'll adjust the trigger, they'll adjust the sights on it, they'll fix everything and they'll fine-tune it so that in the hands of the master, in the hands of the owner, they know exactly how it is supposed to operate. And church, I would tell you that when you get in the hands of God, God knows exactly how you are supposed to operate. He knows exactly what he made you for. He did not make you by mistake. That thing you don't like about yourself, God loves it. God cares about it. God wants to use it. And without God, we can't do anything. Without God, you are like, you know, you can't get in my car, Aubrey. You can't get in my car and drive my car the way it is because my seat is up front because I am a midget. Likewise, I can't drive your car. I would have to adjust everything. And we spend so much of our lives adjusting. Rather than saying, God, what did you make me for? Instead of saying, I feel I'm this way. I feel I'm that way. I feel I was born like this. I feel I have that issue. No, what did you make me for, God? I don't want to live a moment outside your will. I don't want to take one more step or one more breath of this air that you have given me outside your will. All I desire is to fulfill the purpose for my life. God. What did you make me for? I've realized more than ever, like we discussed last week, Abraham figured out that God's provision only comes in God's will. Sometimes, I'll tell you something, church, sometimes Satan will provide for you. But that provision dries up quickly. And then we question God and say, God, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it, God. And God says, man, listen, you weren't in my path. And here Jesus is and Philip He's local. He's local. He doesn't know any of the possible ways to fix things in this problem, this situation of he needs food for close to 10,000 people, if not more. And Jesus is asking him, and he feels because he's local. I, I relate this story to this church because I look at this story, and I relate it to the circumstances of the church. There's often time it doesn't mean, you have to understand that God is calling this church to change Bridgeport, and we can't do that without Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus asked the one who was loco, and he said, you know, listen, we need food. And he said, I don't have any answers for you. 
And I feel oftentimes that's how Christians are in Bridgeport. We don't have any answers. And we think the answer, we think the answer is to do all these things that promote Jesus. And that we think the answer is to, to make everybody want to be like us and do this and do that. No, the answer is to live like Christ. To show an example of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, you have to understand that even what we're doing right here in this building, it's a miracle in and of itself. I sat down with two of our, of our brothers from the church yesterday. One of them is the head of a finance team. The other one is just, he's consulting with us. He's a great brother. And we sat down and we laughed. We almost laughed at how impossible everything we're doing here is. How impossible it is that we're doing running a mobile church inside of a Bassett High School auditorium that cost us over $10,000 every three months just to rent it. And we know that God told us to be here. There's a point where you have to say, there's my bank account and there's what God told me to be. What am I going to do? And you know what? Every week God provides. Every week God works a miracle. We've seen God. We didn't have none of this equipment. We've seen God provide everything one by one. And I look here and I realize that the local people, we don't have the answers. But Jesus Christ, when I walk in his will, when I walk in his obedience, whatever you're facing, if you would walk in his obedience, oftentimes we focus on what we don't have. We focus on we don't have enough finances in our lives. To handle the needs even of our families. We see the need and we say to ourselves that we lack and we need this and we need that. And for every person here, your need might be different today. For one person, your need might look impossible in the sense of emotional. It might be impossible in the sense of, of spiritual. It might look impossible in the sense of financial. But every person here has one thing. You have a need before the Lord. For others, you might need clarity of heart. Clarity of vision. Direction from the Lord. For every person, you have a different need. But you have one thing in common. Jesus Christ is that solution. Following his perfect path, his will, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Philip had gone to every person in the crowd, and if he had gone to every person in that crowd and gathered money, there would still most likely not be enough money to buy the food he needed. Furthermore, if he got the money, there would be no place to buy that much food at that time. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's no way of handling your situation in your humanity and that God has to be the one to direct you and God has to be the one to guide you. I realize that many men have counted me out in my own life, counted me out as to what I can do as a, as a leader, as a pastor, but I've seen God because I believe in God's purpose for my life. You know, my dad taught me one thing. He taught me many things, but one thing he did teach me was that nobody has to believe in you. You have to believe in yourself and allow God to operate in you. And I dare you to, I tell you that I stand before a crowd of people who are so unsure of themselves in Jesus Christ, who you are not sure of your salvation. You find yourself every day wondering if you're saved. You have not accepted the grace. You have not accepted the truth of Jesus Christ and you sit there and try to work it out every day when you cannot it's up to Jesus and newsflash he's already done it Philip says I, I, don't, I don't have anything for you Jesus I, I don't have an answer for you what a contrast from Abraham last week we talked about he said God will provide men of faith God will provide and then men like Philip well, I don't know what we're going to do it's a stupid idea to preach out here anyways. It was good to the healing stop, and then people start getting hungry. This is dumb. 
Some people always start strong. They always end, they always end weak, though. They're probably, oh my God, that blind guy got healed. Oh my God, this person got healed. And then folks got hungry and the disciples said, Jesus, we got to go home. We have to go home. We need to be people of faith who believe that God can fix the problems at hand. Are you with me today? While Philip points out the impossibility and the cost associated with doing what God said, Abraham pointed to the end result. Philip said, no, I can't do it. And Abraham said, don't worry, God will provide in the end. God is going to do it. I see this most in the topic of giving to God. Should I tithe? Should I give? If I do, I won't have enough. And our faith is in our 100% rather than God's 90. We believe more in the 10% we keep rather than the God who worked out our salvation. And we believe God for salvation. We believe God for healing. We believe God for miracles. But we don't believe God for constant provision. I, 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 my giving won't matter. Who would ever notice if I don't tithe? This church is great. They don't check when we don't. They don't want to keep a notice of you. They're not going to put up a board in the back and say, these people haven't paid their diezmos. These folks haven't paid their tithes. These folks haven't given to the Lord. And yet we trust more in our own abilities to manage things rather than God's. I know I'm talking to somebody today because they got real quiet when you found out it was a message about the ordinary giver. You know what happens when a hundred people think their $10 a week don't matter? That means a thousand dollars for the kingdom is lost. People who would say, you know what? I don't want, I I can't do that. We constantly fail to realize how God will never ask something of us that he wasn't serious about. You know that God will never ask you to do something that he didn't really want you to do. God will never say, trust me with your finances if he wasn't going to handle your finances God desires to be trusted he desires to build a relationship with you and you all know that without trust there is no that's the hard thing is when there's no trust in a relationship God will never tell you to do something he doesn't want you to do my life over the last seven months has been characterized by exactly what I am telling you. We have not had all the resources we needed to do everything as a church that we've needed to do. And there's been times that I had to call the financial team and tell them, listen, I need a check for this much. And they said, okay, we'll make it happen. We don't know from where, we don't know how. But every time we stepped out on faith, every time God met the need. Because God is still in the business of meeting the needs of his people. God is still characterized by miracles and outpourings over your life for those of you who are visitors you know i don't ever speak about giving but i would do the church a disservice if i didn't speak about giving because what a blessing it releases over your life there came a point where my prayers in my heart had to align with the word and i said lord you will provide and I looked not not at what I did not have but I looked at what I did have and that was God I looked at what I did have and that was God 
on my side. I was sitting down at the head of the financial team yesterday. I told you that. I said to him, and we laughed because he said to me, if you would have told me eight months ago that we were going to be doing everything we're doing right now, I would have laughed and told you never. We could never do that. But God is in control. Are you with me today? I want to talk to you because if you think that your little doesn't matter, nothing is wasted in the hands of God. Nothing. When Philip located an insurmountable problem, Andrew located a small answer to that problem. You see, Andrew only had five loaves of bread and two small fish that he had stole from his little kid. He had beat him up in the back of the crowd and he was one of the ones that needed healing. And he took his snack pack and he was like, I got your food now, kid. Leave me alone. I'm just kidding. That, that did not happen. That is not in the Bible. That's just me inserting myself into the story. But he brings his child in one scripture. He brings a child before the Lord. And he had gone throughout the crowd of these thousands of people when he sees this little boy. And can I tell you something? When he saw these five loaves of bread and these two fish, he did not see a miracle. When he saw this small amount in his hands, he did not see provision. All he knew is that he saw five loaves of bread and two fish. And all he knew was that, well, I'm going to bring this to Jesus. Could you imagine how stupid he must have felt bringing that to Jesus? The same way some of you might say, man, all I make is this much. I can only bring this much to Jesus. And the same way you might feel like you're not doing your part, I'm telling you, you're doing your part. The same way this Andrew, he brought this little bit And I bet you he wished he could have brought more. He saw this meal in the hands of this child. He did not recognize the miracle in him. He did not recognize how mighty this would be. He did not know that 2,000 plus years later, I'd tell his story. He did not realize that all the Gospels would tell about him. He did not realize that he would be one of the instruments that God would use for one of the greatest miracles Jesus ever did. You might not realize how God can use your little. You might not realize how God can do it, how lives can be changed, how the Gospel can be spread. You You might not see it, but yet it's right there in front of you. There's a miracle in your hands. There's a miracle in your mouth. If you would begin to let God use you, you may be insignificant outside of giving financially. You can serve in your church. You can help in your church. You can work in your church. And you can be the instrument that God uses to change lives. Or somebody say it with me. Nothing is useless in the hands of God. You may feel useless because of all the things you've done. God's like a spiritual super Mr. Clean. He takes the dirtiest vessels and makes them the righteousness of God. He don't need no magic eraser. I'm just saying. Y'all know y'all love that thing. That thing is great. Except that it it tears off the skin on your hands along with the stuff on the countertops. And so they came out with the handle. Praise God for the handle. That's the truth. But God doesn't need no tricks and no gimmicks. He just needs you. Just as you are. He'll take you. He'll clean you up. Because nothing is useless in the hands of God. It was a small amount of food. But we serve a God who takes little and makes it into a lot all the times. 
Andrew even questions what good it might bring. Why should I bring this before God? Should I bring this before Jesus? Should I bring this to the master? It's only five loaves and two fish. It's only, mm, I bet you some of you have had that conversation. Offering bucket comes, it's a dollar. Mm. Nothing is wasted in the hands of God. Nothing is wasted. I can only imagine the other disciples. I know if I was there and I saw him bringing that, I would be like, really, Andrew? Really? We got like 10,000 people and you bring this little snack pack? Really, Andrew? Is that is this what we're about now? I can imagine Peter, the big mouth, back to <laughs> Did you see Andrew? He got I mean, Peter's his brother. You know he was making fun of him. Look at, look at Andrew's cousin. Watch, watch, watch. You ever have one of those moments? Watch, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. Watch, watch, watch. Stupid. Just like some of the people in the world might say, I'm stupid for giving how much I give to God. For the way I live my life extravagantly for Jesus. Because when God desired to give to me, he held nothing back. When God desired to give to me, he went all in. Amen. He's going all in for your life. I can only imagine these disciples, really, Andrew? Oftentimes, you might feel like Andrew, like a little available in your life won't make a difference. The little money you have, the little time you have in God's hands, it won't make a difference. Maybe that little scripture reading with your child at night, oh, it won't make a difference. A little faith in God, that won't make a difference. You think that your little might, you think your smile to another person might not make a difference. It will. I know people whose smile have changed and saved someone's life. I've heard stories of brothers and sisters in Christ who said, I was on the verge of killing myself. I was on my way and I saw this brother and sister and they smiled at me and instantly I just felt the love and compassion of Jesus Christ overflow my life and I gave my life to God. Tell the person next to you, nothing is useless. You might feel it's useless. I don't feel it'll make a difference. I don't feel it'll help anybody. You think it won't. You feel it won't. But that's a lie of the enemy because every little piece matters. Could you imagine if I just went inside your body and just, you don't need this little piece of your heart. I'll take that right there. Cut that out. You don't, you don't need that little toe. It's just little. Got half a nail. You don't even need that bad boy. Got no nail on your little toe. That's just weird. Like a pen dot. Just... And then you paint it. Like, for what? <laughs> I'm just playing. Let me stop. I just. You think you don't need it, but you know that, that little toe without it, your entire balance would be off. And likewise, when we don't give our little, our life balance is off. Andrew comes with this little amount and yet nothing was useless in God's hands that day you know everything you see around us everything our building we have on Howard Avenue the cars we have the vehicles we have all the sound equipment all the video equipment all the every, every, everything we have as a church nothing came through a jumbo offering it was through little by little piece by piece God supplied little by little I found that when God supplies people in bulk, boom, quickly they fade away from God. 
God, he'll, he'll, he'll give you like a rose petal trail to heaven and just say, follow this one. I'll always provide for you. I'll always take care of you. You'll never have lack in your house. You'll never have want. Miracles flow when our giving to the Lord of our time and our money and our hearts and our lives, miracles flow from it. So many times we're afraid to do what God desires, not knowing what will happen to us. Understand this now. This little boy who gave his food to Andrew, he was probably just as hungry as the rest of them. But this little boy had childlike faith to give his food to this disciple who's going to take it to somebody else. He didn't even know who's going to eat that food. Talk about faith. He's the real hero, this little boy who gave everything he had. And he reached over 10,000 people. If you're struggling in serving in the church, if you're struggling with giving in the church, I want to challenge you today that your little makes a difference. When we give to God, it places God first in our lives. God is obsessed with first. He should be the first thing you talk about in the morning. He should be the first person you seek in the morning. He should be the first. Because when God desired to give to you, he gave you his firstborn son. I want to challenge you today that nothing is useless in the hands of your God. He was stepping out in faith, this boy. He was saying, you know what, Andrew? Take the food. And yet God did something miraculous in it. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed. He blessed the food. He broke the bread. He gave it to the disciples. And the Bible says that as the disciples passed it out, there was more and more and more and more food. The miracle did not happen in the hands of Jesus. The miracle happened in the hands of ordinary disciples who were following the will of God. Because after Jesus broke these five loaves, he had five loaves, broke them in half, probably had ten at that point, gave it to the ten disciples, and he said, pass it out. Really? Pass out this? 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 I would have been like, this is dumb, Jesus. I quit. Everybody going to have it. Just get away. Just a little, little, little bit. Get a little crumb here, a little crumb there. But the miracle happened in their hand as they walked out Jesus' commands. Don't you realize that when you walk in God's provision, when you walk in God's will, that he will do miracles? I mean that with all my heart. I've experienced it so much. I won't tell you because I don't want to make nobody jealous of me, but I'm just, I'm just kidding. But come on. God can do miracles in your life. God will work miracles in you. And there's times I don't have everything I need, but I know it's on the way. There's days where I do have lack, but I know it's on the way. Because as the scripture says, I've been young and I'm getting old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. You know what will change the world? Ordinary people who know how to serve and give. Ordinary people who know that their little bit makes a difference when hundreds of people give their little, when hundreds join together and say, I know God has a purpose. I know God has a desire. I know God can do it. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed and he broke the bread and he had them sit down in the grass. And that's so significant. You might have read right over that. But it's a, it's a real picture of Jesus being the great shepherd because yea the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures it's a picture of Jesus as the great shepherd he is 
sitting them down in green pastures. He is taking care of them. He knew the disciples said, send them home. But he said, I am the shepherd. I am the great shepherd. If you go on to the rest of Psalms 23, that prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And Jesus was amongst some enemies in that place. He is the great shepherd. And he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples. And the miracle happened in their hands. Because nothing is useless in the hands of Jesus Christ. In John, the second chapter, the first verse, we see another story of Jesus turning water into wine. Another example of how Jesus can take something of little to no value and make it much value. If you know anything about wine, you know it gets better with time. And yet Jesus turned the water into wine in a moment. And it makes some of the best wine that these partygoers had ever tasted. Somebody just said, that's my kind of Jesus. Jesus takes nothing and makes it into something. Not only can he take something little and seemingly useless that we have and make it of great value, but he can do it in an instant. He can do it in a moment. When Jesus is involved, things that should take months can take moments. Things that have kept you broken for years, gone in a moment. Things that look invaluable, they're now multiplied and now God can use them. He turns your sins into righteousness, your sexual immorality into purity, your mourning into joy, your anger into laughter, resentment into reconciliation, confusion into clarity. He put chaos into peace. He turns your hate into love, laziness into discipline, fear into faith. He turns doubt into trust, brokenness into wholeness. That's the kind of God that we serve. He takes a little and turns it into a lot. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I serve a God that makes nothing into something for Scripture declares that he made all that we see with our eyes for all of creation came from the nothingness of nothing he made everything and he speaks those things that are not as though they were because check this out now even nothing is under the control of God he turns nothing into something Nothing is worthless in the hands of the worthy when time is of no concern to Jesus. You want to see him do extraordinary things in you? Give him something to work with. Give of your finances. Give of your time. Give of your heart. Give to family, to friends. Don't worry about being taken advantage of for he he knows and whatever you do for the least of these we do unto him give I believe every church member should not only serve in the local church you should serve in the local community you should be in the homeless shelters 
You should be all over the place, wherever you can. You should be in the Brisbane Rescue Mission helping out. You should be in the community houses volunteering. You should make time to help people because you might be the only Jesus this world sees. If you're waiting for the church to plan event after event after event, keep on waiting. You need to walk it out in your own life. You need to live it in your life. That's what being a servant of Jesus Christ is about, giving your little bit. I thank God for the people in my life who gave the little bit they had. I thank God for the Sunday school teachers when I was a kid who gave their little. If you do that, I applaud you. I thank you. I would not be the man of God I am without my Sunday school teachers. I thank God for the godly principal I had in my school. And she gave me a little bit. And when I was in her class in the first grade and she used to beat on me, my parents didn't care because I was bad. And she was cool. And I found out just the other day that I thought she was dead for the last six years. She ain't even dead. I got her address. I got to write her a letter. Tell her how much I love her because she changed my life. I thank God for the people who invested in me. I thank God for my spiritual mentor, Pastor Philip, who from across the country would always reach out to me. He would always touch on me. He would always just say, hey, Lewis, I'm praying for you. I am there with you in spirit. I know you're going through hell, but I believe in God as a purpose for you. I believe God's called you. And if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't tell you. And the moments he spent with me on that phone, just those moments he would come out to me and reach out to me and he would touch my life. Those moments, I've grown into who I am because of the little that someone gave. Are you with me today? It may seem useless in your hands. It may seem like God can't use what you have, like God can't bless what you have, but God can and God will when you step out in faith. Come on, stand with me today. Man, the little you have is so powerful in the hands of God. Come on, let's bow our heads right now. I believe what we need today is a true prayer of faith. A true prayer of faith. Because some folks are sitting here saying, you know, God, I want to give. I want to serve. I want to do my part. But sometimes it just makes me feel like I am going to fall flat on my face. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ. Colossians, I love the scripture where it says that everything was made through him, for him, and by him. And he holds all things together. Did you know that? Jesus holds all things together. You thought your little job held it together. Jesus holds all things together. Your heart that was broken into a million pieces time and time again. Young ladies, Jesus holds it all together. Your marriage that is a mess from the floor to the bottom to the top, left and right. And you're arguing, you're fighting, you're putting on your fake happy face. Jesus holds it together. Yeah. Those people you can't stand that love that you have to show every time it's Jesus that holds that love in place come on every head bowed every eye closed I want to pray a prayer of faith over you that you will ask God to begin to use you the little that you have this isn't about a salvation thing this isn't about uh, this is what's going to get you saved this is about this is a God thing when you trust the Lord when you trust Him He pours out he pours out. Come on, if you want that prayer of faith, raise your hand right now. Maybe somebody here today, you have a little bit of pain and you 
saying, God, I need some healing. Maybe some of you are confused about your life and where it's headed. And you're saying, God, I need you to take my little confusion and make it into a lot of clarity. Maybe you've walked away from the will of God and you're saying, man, I don't want to waste my life on meaningless moments to miss eternity and endless time with Jesus Christ. Come on, lifting your hands as high as you can. To Heavenly Father, I pray right now over every person with their hand outstretched, with their hand raised. I pray those, God, who would step out of faith, giving those who would step out of faith, God, in their servitude, those who are having heavy hearts and having issues you need to fix in their lives, God, I pray right now, God, that they would give it over to you right now. I pray right now a prayer of faith to believe that God would do what he said he would do like John chapter 6 where Jesus knew he had a plan. God, show us and have us the faith. Give us the faith to see that you have a plan and that you already know what you're going to do, that we would trust your plan, that we would believe that your plan is better than our own. Lord, to those who will step out in their giving, Lord, your word says in Malachi 3, 9 that we can test you in our giving. Lord, I ask you that you would open the windows of heaven over their lives. Those who would serve of their time, Lord, that you would bring an outpouring of your spirit over their lives. I pray right now for those, God, who have those heavy burdens, have those things that they need you to transform, God. Issues of self-worthlessness, God, turn it into knowing confidence in your call on their life, God. I pray over every woman in this, in this place, God, right now, dealing with self-worth issues, that you would show them they're a daughter of the King. To every man dealing with issues of, I can't provide for my wife, for my family, for my children, for my household, for myself, I pray right now a godly confidence. God, that you are the provider. You own cattle on a thousand hills. To those struggling, Father God, in their homes. We pray as a church right now, your provision over us, God. God, I pray that we would walk in your will to receive your provision, God. God, if we've wandered away from you, bring us back to your will, to your heart, your desires. In Jesus' name, we pray. I'd like for you to do me one more favor. If you can close your eyes and bow your heads really quickly. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. If I see you with your eyes open, I'm going to come down and kick you. I'm just kidding. Everybody close your eyes again. Come on, I'm just playing. But I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody here today who you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you've made that commitment and you've strayed away or maybe you want to recommit. or maybe You've never made that before. I have to ask you. I want to give you that invite. If that's you, I don't want you to come to the front. I want you just to raise your hand. You want to just shoot it up real quick? I got one. Come on, amen. That's something to thank. I got two. Come on, that's something to thank God for. Three, four, and five just popped up. Come on. And six. And nobody's watching you. Come on, nobody's watching you except Jesus. Seven and eight just popped up. Come on, nobody's watching you. We're talking about eight souls for the kingdom. Come on, that's something to thank God for. Oh, come on, that's something to get excited about. Come on, I just got nine. Come on, let's bow our heads. Citywide, come on, let's help them out make that commitment to Jesus Christ. 
Heavenly Father, I receive your Son as my Lord and Savior. I know I'm a sinner, but I accept your forgiveness. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. And I welcome him into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on. I want you to say amen as loud as you can. Come on. Make some noise in this place. Come on. The worship team is going to sing something real quick and give you one last opportunity to worship. But if you made that commitment, if you prayed that prayer, there's some information we have for you in the back. Oh, please stop by. We love to connect with you. Come on. Amen. Lift your hands as the praise and worship team takes over right now.